Hello NFL fans and welcome to another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb, and it is week two of the NFL season. We had a lot of great games this past weekend, and uh, our show ran a little bit long last week. I promised to try and keep it a little shorter, so it's a little easier to, to listen to the entire show. Um, but let's get right to it. Um, we're going to try and squeeze in three and three games in depth in our opening segment and then mention a bunch of other highlights from the weekend starting off with that anticipated Sunday night matchup between Detroit and San Francisco of course this was highly anticipated not because not just because of the talent on both sides but because of the uh, the feud between the head coaches last year between the handshake and as the media played this up quite a bit it, it kind of became funny how um, much this handshake uh was was played up in, in the news um but but it did mean something i i think it definitely meant something for detroit um jim both coaches um said that they were putting this hand the, the handshake behind them uh I, I believe that with jim harbaugh but i don't with jim schwartz he might not be saying it and i think he shouldn't say anything about it he shouldn't play it through the media but he should play it through his locker room and make it a big deal to you know stick it to San Francisco, especially on the road. Unfortunately for Detroit, that's not ended up that that didn't end up happening. San Francisco winning this game 27 to 19, and uh, pretty much had it the whole way. Uh, I think what sticks out to me in this game, to to sum it up real quickly, is is Detroit still isn't there, um, completely there mentally. Uh, they they have a lot of penalties they extend drives on defense with offsides personal foul penalties and I think there was a offsides in the second quarter that extended a drive that ended up being a touchdown oh um it was an offsides on a on a field goal attempt and instead of it being a field goal the 49ers then drove it all the way down the field to score a touchdown and that's the difference between three points and seven points and it ended up being a pretty close game. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but that that that's got to stop for Detroit. They talk about that discipline issue. Um, I think for Detroit to make that next step, they got to cut down on these penalties and and do better at not giving the other team second opportunities to to score. And like I said, Detroit at eight penalties last night for 67 yards. Penalties um, were were, were kind of quite a theme yesterday as a lot of um, teams were complaining about the replacement reps that didn't seem to do as well yet in yesterday's action as week one, something that the NFL should note, perhaps uh, try and get that labor issue with the regular referees settled. But on San Francisco's side, they played very well. Great defense, stopped another great NFC North offense, pretty much stalled them the whole game. Uh, and their offense is really chugging along. Alex Smith, two touchdowns, 226 yards through the air. Frank Gore, another touchdown. San Francisco's looking really, really good. And we're going to go to a 1 o'clock game that I actually ended up watching uh, most of between the 
Philadelphia Eagles and the Baltimore Ravens uh, matchup between two birds. Uh, both teams coming in 1-0. and The Ravens are really high-flying on Monday night against the Bengals, but the Eagles just barely snuck out a win against the, the Browns. So these two teams kind of felt like they were on opposite directions, but uh, the Eagles ended up winning this game with uh, a one-point win, 24-23. So early on, Baltimore pretty much dominated. Uh, the, the Eagles had a great drive to start the game. Michael Vick threw another interception inside the red zone. Uh, they did get the ball back on a Joe Flacco fumble and then scored to take a 7 nothing lead. But Baltimore quickly scored and answered and then took a 14-7 and then 17-7 lead into halftime. And quite honestly, Philadelphia was lucky it was only 17-7 because they turned the ball over three times in the red zone. There's mistakes that I think Philadelphia has to cut down on if they want to be a dream team, a Super Bowl team, a dynasty, whatever. Uh, Michael Vick's numbers weren't great again. Uh, 23 for 32, at least the passing the number of attempts are down. He did have 371 yards, but t again, two interceptions, one in the red zone, and two other turnovers in the red zone, a total of four turnovers for the Eagles, but somehow they won this game. So nine turnovers through the first two weeks, and they're 2-0. and Of course, you can read Tim Krause's article, uh, Philadelphia Eagles winning ugly, um, and he references those nine turnovers right off, right, right off the bat, five plus four equals two, of course, meaning five turnovers last week, four turnovers this week equals two wins. Um, yeah, you can argue that the Eagles are very lucky to win these two games, but hey, they found a way to get the job done, uh, and just imagine if they can get to a point this season where they're not turning the ball over four or five times a game, that they're getting maybe three or four turnovers a game how good they can be. I think that's something scary for the NFL, that the Eagles have are nowhere close to hitting their stride, but they're still 2-0. They're finding ways to win. And for Baltimore, this is a pretty bad loss. I know it was on the road, but you had the team reeling in the first quarter with the or in the second quarter with the turnovers, and you didn't really put them away. Uh, Joe Flacco, after a really great Monday night game, really struggled. Um, only completed 52% of his passes for 232 yards, one touchdown, one interception, had a fumble. Um, it was a rough game for him. He, he had something to say about the referees after the game. There was a play late in the fourth quarter where he thought Jacoby Jones should have had a touchdown, but they actually called offensive pass interference. So that was a call they disagreed with. Um, but hey, Whatever the referees are calling, you gotta you gotta get the job done. And the Eagles did. The, Ra the Ravens ended up not in this game. And we're gonna jump to a four o'clock game uh, against the Steelers and Jets. The Steelers ended up pulling away late in this one to win twenty-seven to ten. It was pretty cl close all the way through. The Jets scored a touchdown and a field goal on their first two possessions the touchdown coming in late in the first quarter on their first drive and then the field goal in the second quarter and then they didn't get any more points the Steelers defense really tightened up only gave up 219 total yards the Steelers controlled the ball for 36 minutes um, complete ball control something that 
you haven't seen from Pittsburgh a whole lot in recent years, but I think Todd Haley is really trying to reestablish that Steeler way of controlling the clock, but he's not doing it necessarily with running the ball. Only ran for just 66 net rushing yards, um, but the short yardage passing, the screens, and then a mix of Redmond, Dwyer, and even a little bit of Chris Rainey, uh, that's Isaac Redmond and Jonathan Dwyer, running backs, and the Steelers really controlling the clock, keeping that jet offense off the field, and that was their best defense. But the, the Steelers' defense didn't look great last week, didn't look great early in this one, but that bump and run coverage really affected the Jets' receivers, something that maybe we could talk about in terms of what was being called. There were a lot of questionable calls in this game that went both ways, there was a offensive pass. I, I, there were a, the bump and run coverage that the Steelers were using the whole game. Really could have been, you know, could, they could call holding pass interference on every play if they really, really wanted to. I mean, it would be ticky tacky, but they could have. That's how physical the Steelers' uh, cornerbacks were. But there was one occasion where Ike Taylor did not touch him at all, and I'm I'm saying Santonio Holmes. And they called a, a pass interference that cost the, the Steelers 20 yards of, of um, field position. Just an awful, awful call. And um, there was another play later in the game where Redmond was, seemed like he was down behind the line and then somehow found a way to gain six yards, appeared to fumble, um, and it was reviewed or because the Jets challenged and the, the fumble... Well, they, they ruled that there, there was no fumble. And they also ruled that, that um, Redmond was not down behind the line. They could have <laughs> said either of those, I believe. I think Redmond's knee was down. And then if they didn't think his knee was down, it was a fumble. So they missed two on that play. I, I, no, you couldn't, you couldn't say both occurred if the knee was down behind the line. There would have been no fumble. But one of those happened. And and for the Jets, they, they didn't get either one of those plays called. It was a six-yard gain. So very questionable reps in that game. But the, the Steeler, I think the Steelers' defense is the story of this one. And for the Jets, why not put Tim Tebow in for, for a longer period of time? I'm not, I'm not saying he should start a quarterback. I'm not starting a quarterback controversy. Mark Sanchez looked great week one. He looked great at the beginning of this game. And I just think it was a product of the Steelers' defense. He got out of sync with his receivers, only went 10 of 27 for 138 yards, so a pretty rough game statistically. But he didn't look bad. Um, he's definitely still the guy for me for the Jets. But Tim Tebow torched the Steelers last year in the, in the playoffs. I'm not saying to put Tebow under center and have him throw all over the yard, but he came in the third quarter ran a running play for 22 yards straight up the middle and then ran another option play and then another one and on that third one it was a loss of six Ryan Clark making a huge play behind the line of scrimmage and then they take him out and that's it those are his three offensive plays for the whole game thought that they could have used Tim Tebow a lot more especially when Sanchez and the other pieces of the offense were really struggling in the second half some kind get some kind of spark on offense, but they didn't do it. So I, I think that's something that the, the Jets should have done, um, used a little more Tim Tebow in the uh, rushing attack, especially when there was nothing doing on offense. 
So real quickly before we go to break, we'll reference a couple other games from Sunday. Um, notable. Trent Richardson had a huge game for Cleveland. So did Brandon Whedon bouncing back from that bad week one. But Cincinnati prevailed there 34-27. New England was upset at home against Arizona. New England's first home opener loss in over 10 seasons. Tom Brady struggled at times, threw for 316 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Of course, they had a chance to win at the end of the game, but Steven Gronkowski missed a field goal very badly, and Arizona prevailed. And one other notable game, the New York Giants came back from a double-digit deficit to beat Tampa Bay 41-34. Eli Manning threw for a personal record 510 yards, three touchdowns, had three interceptions in the first half but had a huge game. So did Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz, both over 150 yards receiving and a touchdown. Huge games for all three of those fantasy-wise. But there was bigger news from this game that we're going to get into in our fourth and long segment. So we're going to take a quick break. Here's a little music from Van Halen, and we'll be right back from an interview from Tom Pollan, a Football Nation contributor, that uh, him and I had a great conversation about the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers game. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb. Reminder, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B, or you can email me at my Gmail account, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find more news at Dave's Football News on Facebook. Just search it in the toolbar. For our next segment, like I promised at the top of the show, we're going to go to the interview I had with Tom Pollan. Uh, earlier this weekend, and uh, we'll get you that interview right now. And we're here with our uh, second guest star on Monday Morning Huddle, uh, another Football Nation contributor, Tom Pollan. Um, he's out in Chicago, an avid Bears fan. Tom, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Dave. Uh, I listen every week, so I enjoy what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. It's always good to hear uh, positive feedback about the show. Uh, so we were going to talk uh, today with Tom about the, the Chicago Bears game on Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers. Um, Tom, let's start with the Bears side. Even though they lost, uh, you, you follow the Bears pretty closely. What was your initial reaction to the game? Uh, I'd imagine it wasn't a real positive one. shown in their first two weeks of the season that they're able to get a pass rush uh, from the front four, which is the most important thing you can do with their style of defense. Um, offensively, Jay Cutler had one of those nights where if he's rushed and if he's starting to get frustrated, uh, his mechanics start um, start going, he starts going off his back foot, uh, his accuracy disappears, and he starts getting very frustrated with his uh, teammates. 
And not to say that the way the offensive line played, that he shouldn't have been very frustrated. <laughs> right, yeah. It's hard to, yeah, hard to throw the ball when you're wearing uh, Clay Matthews on his shirt most of the game. <laughs> yeah, Clay Matthews but, was all uh, over him. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, they, they couldn't, uh, they, outside route, beat Jamarcus Flair. The inside routes was beating Chris Spencer. Um, and probably the most frustrating thing is the Bears offensive coaches and even Cutler who has the ability to audible this year that he didn't have before under Mike Martz. Nobody made a move to try to counter what Green Bay was was doing on their defense. Well, what do you think the the biggest problem was on Thursday? Do you think it was a product of the the offensive line not being able to block guys like Clay Matthews, or, or do you think it was it was a problem with with Jay Cutler just having a, a bad game? Well, it started with the offensive line. Jay Cutler is fine if he gets off to a good start if he feels comfortable. Um, Jamarcus Webb got beat early. Well, actually, first they had Forte got beat on um, the linebacker coming up the middle on the fence. Um, but Webb got beat, and it seemed like that's about his mechanics and his thought process started going downhill, um, where he was getting that frustrated. Webb has had a little over, a little over a season now at left tackle. Um, he's been starting there quite a bit. Well, he started there all last year. He started the first two games this year. He started a little bit in 2010. And I think it's at the point where it should be obvious to everybody that Jamarcus Webb is not the left tackle. He's not an NFL crowd for the left tackle. Mm, okay. Um, he, he can't stand fast enough. Uh, he, he's constant, and that's why he led the NFL in false starts last year uh, from an offensive lineman. He, huh. He's always trying to get the dump on the defense so he could, so he's not getting beat to the outside. Um, anybody with a speed move is going to get right past him. That's that's certainly tough on a quarterback to have a left tackle that at that uh, caliber or or to lack confidence in that left tackle. Yeah, it is because then he starts hearing footsteps. Um, mm-hmm. And another problem is if he's not doing his job, you know, on defensive end, then they have to keep. You know, you either have to bring in a, you know, chip him with the tight end, uh, chip him with Forte, if you're going to bring Forte out into the, you know, pass pattern. Mm. You have to give him help. Right. And these days in the NFL, in these days of wide open attacks, you can't afford to keep your back in. You can't afford to... Keep uh, that extra tight end. Tight end. Right. Rodriguez did a wonderful job against Indianapolis. 
But you need, if you're going to line him up, you need him out in the patterns. You need him, you know, as a pass catcher, because that's the way the NFL is these days. Right. Yeah, you see. So you, if, you have to, if you have to give Webb help, then, then he's failed as left tackle. That's a really good point, point Tom. Um, going to um, the back to Jay Cutler and and Brandon Marshall had a really rough game. Uh, dropped a touchdown pass, and I know a bunch of people were disappointed with his fantasy numbers, expecting a big game against a weak Packer defense. I I know it's only you know one bad week, but is is there any worry in Chicago that you know that Brandon Marshall's not going to work out? And that's the thing. He's performed at a high level for five years now. Um, fl- flipping very quickly over to, to Green Bay, um, we, we we saw them, I don't know if you watched the 49er game against against the Packers, but we, we saw San Francisco handle them pretty well uh, week one. Um, and then in a must, kind of a must win against Chicago week two, um, the Bears handled them pretty well on defense as well. One of those touchdowns came on special teams. Um, do you have any thoughts about the Packers' offense? Are they just running into some tough defenses right now early in the season and they're not they're not quite in rhythm yet? Um, that might be part of it, uh, that they're not in rhythm yet. They have run into two tough defenses. If they're watching them against the 49ers, watching them against the Bears, I, I would have said lack of a running game, but some of the did a fairly good job for them Thursday night running against the Bears. That is true. That's uh, a good point. Yeah. And so I'm not really sure where the disconnect is yet for them. Well, it'll, it'll certainly be a, a great race in the NFC North uh, going forward. Do you have any uh, predictions, or um, after you know watching Thursday's game, do you have any feeling for how the division is going to end up? I think the Green Bay Packers are still going to win the division. Although amazingly enough, Detroit has a tough game tomorrow against the Forty Nineers in San Francisco. Right. And the Vikings have a fairly winnable game against the Indianapolis Colts. Conceivably, the Vikings could be on top of the division tomorrow at a 2 and 0 record. But don't expect them to stay there. <laughs> I know, it's a little funny at this time, but uh, I still think it's going to be the Packers. All right, yeah, well, you can never go wrong, I, I feel like, with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. It's, it certainly should be a very great race with, with all three of those teams, and maybe uh, the Minnesota Vikings stick in longer than people think. Okay. But Chris Fieldman did a very good job as general manager, and I don't expect the Vikings to be at the bottom of the, the division too much longer. Yeah, that'll cert- so, certainly be great for those fans, and with them getting a new stadium also in Minnesota soon. Oh, absolutely. You know, and Bears, Vikings, Bears, Packers, I mean, it's all a rivalry in this division. Yeah. Fans 
kids have something to root for, and yeah, they're going to get a new stadium, and uh, and I think the Vikings are going to be tough coming up uh, in another year or so. Yeah, it's one of the best divisions I'd say in uh, in probably all of sports. So. Well, I think that's all uh, we have time for, really, uh, Tom. Is there anything else you wanted to say? All right, man. At this time, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and seeing how this, this division pans out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, cer- certainly will be. I, I agree. The NFC North is a division I'm really intrigued by this year. Yep. Oh. I appreciate you having me on, Dave. Oh, uh, thank you very much, Tom, for coming you. on. And I, I hope that we can have you on again sometime soon. I would love it. <laughs> uh, this is great. And I, as I said, I think you do a lot of good work with this. So, oh, so thank, I enjoy th- listening to it every week. Thank you. Once again, that was the voice of Tom Pollan. Hopefully the audio wasn't too bad. Uh, you could hear him at most parts. We had a little bit of trouble over the phone interview. First phone interview uh, on our show, Monday Morning Huddle. And we're hoping uh, that Tom and others will want to come back during the season over the phone. Thanks once again, Tom, for joining us. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with the fourth and long segment. And we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. And we're going to go to our fourth and long segment uh, to end today's show. To start off, there was a big controversy at the end of the New York Giants and Tampa Bay Buccaneers game with the Buccaneers' defense aggressively going after Eli Manning um, during the kneel down with about just seconds left in that game. Um, and Tom Coughlin and Greg Shearno, if I, I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but the, the former head coach from the University of Rutgers um, in his first year with the Buccaneers exchanged words at the end of the game. Ironically, the, the same day that we had such a big, um, big hoopla about the other handshake on, on the West Coast against San Francisco and Detroit, there's a, another coaching dispute. Uh, Coughlin yelled at uh, Greg after the game, um, ended up shaking his hand, but they, they had a real disagreement. And then there were words um, exchanged afterwards in the media. Coughlin, of course, reiter- reiterated uh, that that kind of thing is not done in the NFL. And Shiano said that he doesn't know you know, much about the NFL, basically, but that his team will fight to the last second until the game is over. I see both sides, to be honest, but um, I guess the statement I'm going to have here is what the Buccaneers did was dirty to the the New York Giants. It was a dirty move. I'm going to grunt. I'm going to agree and say that it was. um, It's it's unethical, um, at at the very least. Maybe it's not dirty, but it's unethical. to, to try and do that, you, you're risking injuries to both teams, 
especially to Eli Manning. And if Eli Manning goes down, quite honestly, the New York Giants season is over. And for him to go down in a kneel down is, is kind of silly. Although I understand the Buccaneers lost 10, game, 10 games in a row last year to end the season. They, they want to establish something. They want to establish an identity, kind of like the Lions, you know, last year. At first, you don't really care how many penalties they have. They just want to get wins. Um, so I, I understand that point. I understand that, you know, Shiano wants his team fighting hard to the last second, but I, I still don't think that's something that you do. You can you can fight hard during the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter. You don't have to do it during a kneel down when you've basically already lost. So I would grunt on that one. Going out west to a game we haven't talked about yet, the Seattle Seahawks owned the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, on, on Sunday. And um, FN Football Nation writer Ryan Durenbecker, if I'm getting that name right, um, says it's good for the Dallas Cowboys that they lost that game. They, they beat an overrated team that had some pieces missing week one. And then they go into Seattle, maybe a little bit too confident, and end up losing to a team that has a rookie sensation at quarterback, Russell Wilson. Um, I'm going to grunt uh, and agree with Darren Becker. Uh, I was kind of flying high on the Cowboys week one. I was really impressed with them beating the Giants. Maybe I, I think the Giants are better than, than what they actually are. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was an impressive win. And uh, then Dallas goes out to Seattle and lays an egg, basically. But you know what? I think Seattle's better than everybody gives credit for. So all of a sudden, those teams in the NFC West, uh, San Francisco is 2-0. Arizona going into New England and surprising. Seattle beating Dallas. St. Louis uh, beat Washington. Almost beat Detroit. All of a sudden, that NFC West is looking pretty strong out there, um, at least through the first two weeks. But But anyway, for Dallas... I agree. I, I think whenever you get, um, you know, the snot beaten out of you, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing if it's in September. Uh, it's a lesson to be learned. You can take something from it. Uh, you, you'd, you'd, I think it's always better to have lower expectations. You're, you're never going to have that, though, with Dallas. Dallas always has high expectations. So, you know, I guess they, they can definitely rebound. I think Dallas will. Um it's it's going to be an interesting division race. You know, the New York Giants just always seem like they have to come back in games. They never really establish anything early. They're always coming back late in, in the season to come back and win divisions and games to come back and win. Um, Dallas is always there. And then Philadelphia right now, as we said, winning ugly. Uh, but they, they usually hit their stride November or December. So that's, I think, what's scary about them, that they're not playing their best yet, and they're two and zero. But yeah, I think I think it's good for Dallas to to come back down to earth a little bit. And the last article and story for our fourth and long segment, we're going to reference from Gladys Lewis Tyler. Uh, she wrote the article, "Houston Texans versus Jacksonville Jaguars: Five Things That We Learned," um, and I'm the five. Of the five things, I'm going to point out her fourth point. Arian Foster and Ben Tate may be the best running back tandem in the NFL. I'm going to go one further, and I'm going to grunt and say 
they are the best running back tandem in the NFL. Foster yesterday had 110 yards on 28 carries and a touchdown. Ben Tate, 74 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Those stats were provided by Tyler herself in her article. Um, so I recommend everybody read, check that one out and the other articles uh, I recommended today. But I, I, I like how the Texans play football. You know, they defeated Jacksonville yesterday 27-7. Uh, they they love to run the ball. They they they're old school man. They got two running backs going. Not only one dominant, maybe the best in the NFL and Arian Foster, but Ben Tate is really good. They could possibly have two thousand yard rushers. They almost had it last year. I think I think that'd be really cool. Um, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers had two thousand yard rushers in nineteen seventy six. Um, I don't know if any other team has ever had two rushers for a thousand yards but it, they somebody else probably has i just don't know if or if anybody more recently since 76 has but it it just reminds you of football from the late 70s um with with the raiders the the dolphins with with uh jim kick and larry zonka and mercury morris those guys this is what this kind of football the texans play reminds me of and they play great defense too like those 70s dolphins steelers and raiders teams so i love the way the texans play and in my mind, those two together are definitely the best running back tandem in the NFL. So we'll be right back to wrap up today's show. Here's one more from Van Halen. We'll be right back. And we're back here to wrap up today's episode of Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Just a reminder, you can contact me at Twitter, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B is my Twitter handle. Or you can email me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B at gmail, 06, sorry, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B 06 at gmail.com. Or you can uh, find me on Facebook and also look at so much other news that I post up on the page from footballnation.com. That Facebook page name is Dave's Football News. I would thank, like to thank once again for Tom Pollan to come, coming on our show today. Uh, it was a great interview, great talking to him. He puts up great work on Football Nation. I uh, recommend everybody checking out his stuff. It's really great, and check out all kinds of other great stuff we have at footballnation.com. There's three other articles I referenced today, and there's always other stuff to read. Really great source for football news, and especially college. I don't get into college as much, especially on this show, but there's great college news as well. So that's all I have for today. If you're listening on Monday, tonight's uh, game is going to be between Atlanta and Denver. It's going to be a great game. I'd expect a lot of scoring. Um, and I got Matt Ryan in fantasy on one of my teams. Uh, so also Julio Jones and uh, Demarius Thomas is on my team. So fantasy implications, lots of offense, should be a great game. Uh, and uh, next week, of course, we will have Monday Morning Huddle once again on Monday morning for a recap of Week 3. Enjoy your week, everybody. I'm going to go try to find some peace in my mind. You know.